Wow. (laughs) I miss you so much. I just uh, am so glad to be back. Thank you for carrying on. I watched watched you on on the live stream a couple of times. Very nice. And like I said, that beautiful soloist that was here, uh, it was Martin Luther King Sunday, I guess, is coming back next week. And so we get to, I get to hear him in person. Very nice. Okay, so I, I think, if I remember right, I asked this question for some reason a few weeks ago. Who knows who Johnny Nash is? Johnny Nash, not Johnny Cash, Johnny Nash. Anybody? Come on, anybody. Great, nobody. (laughs) Johnny Nash was born on August 19, 1940, two or three weeks before I was born, uh, in Houston, Texas. And as a child, he sang in the choir of at Progressive New Hope Baptist Church. I'm not sure what that means, Progressive Baptist Church, but uh, it is in South Central Houston as a child. So I assume he grew up in that church. But growing up, he had a moderately successful career as a singer-songwriter, Johnny Nash. And in 1965, he and his agent moved to Kingston, Jamaica, He met there Bob Marley at a Rastafarian gathering there. Now, Rastafarians are a a very unusual uh, group of people. They are um, of the uh, Abrahamic tradition and what they believe, and Christians uh, mostly. And uh, that's about all I know about it, But except they're into dreadlocks. And, and primarily, Johnny Nash was a reggae and pop singer and, and songwriter after he moved there. He's one of the first non-Jamaican artists to record reggae music in Kingston, Jamaica. And it was there that he wrote this song. And I'll just relax. I'm not going to sing it. I wouldn't dare. So, but just let me, I'll give you a condensed version of, of the text of this song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You know it? I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. I think I can make it now. The pain is gone. All of the bad feelings have disappeared. Here is that rainbow I've been praying for. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. You almost want to sing it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, epiphany, that word implies sort of a an aha moment, you know. Oh, I get it. I get it. And surely, uh, Johnny Nash had an epiphany that moved him to write that song. And all the studying I did 
uh, to try to find out what it was in his life that motivated him, what kind of change he had in his life uh, that caused him to see clearly now. The rain is gone. Probably it's something that happened there in Kingston, Jamaica. He had an epiphany, that's for sure. An aha moment. So that's our season now, Epiphany. The scriptures we read are, are stories of Jesus and uh, are stories Jesus tells that, that help us get it. You know, okay, I, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or as the centurion said at the foot of his cross, surely this man is the Son of God. Next week, we're going to read that story from the top of the mountain in the clouds where Jesus took some of his disciples up there and the clouds kind of parted and they heard the voice of the Lord say, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Those same words we heard at his baptism, except here the Lord added one little extra thing. Listen to him. Listen to him. Definitely an epiphany for those that were there. Another big epiphany, of course, is, is Saul, the, uh, uh, the Pharisee, the, the persecutor of, of Christians of all kinds, uh, is struck blind by the power of Christ on the road. And he becomes Paul, the great apostle that we read so much of today. In the end, the, the last uh, sentence of the gospel I just read, it says, and, and he, Jesus, went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message, proclaiming the message in their synagogue and casting out demons. Now I could say a lot about that whole gospel reading, uh, because it's about it's epiphany-like, all that happened there with his mother-in-law. But that word, the message, just keeps kind of haunting me because what is the message? And I don't know how many times I kind of, you know, I do my scrolling through the uh, Bible with my computer and, and that word, the message, uh, comes up over and over and over again with not a whole lot of explanation of what the message is. What is the message? Anyway, it seems to be something about salvation. Another thing I'm not really clear about, how that works. In in his day, maybe the message was about an epiphany. Trying to generate an epiphany among the people. 
the gospel, always translated as good news, was the message. Because you see, Jesus was a Jew for sure, but with a very different message than the Jews had at that time in that place. It was a new way, a whole new way of knowing and having a relationship with his Father, with God. I was a kind of a problem. You see what happened in the end. They didn't take it. But here we are, filled with the love of Christ, the love of Jesus. I was really touched uh, a couple of weeks ago when Al Rodriguez was here, uh, uh, and he talked so fondly about his personal his personal relationship with Jesus. And I, I hope that all of us have some personal relationship with Jesus, even though amongst us it all might be very, very different. Sometimes I'm asked, do you believe in Jesus? And I will always say, well, yes, I do. But more so, I believe Jesus. I believe him. That's a little bit different than believing in him. The idea that Jesus is, uh, is equal with God and so forth, all of that is a little confused in my own mind. But um, I, believe, I believe him. And so what is then what does it mean to be saved? I guess each one of us can be saved uh, individually. And as you go around and, and encounter some uh, more uh, Christians with a different way of looking at things, they will ask you, "Have you been saved?" And I'd say, "Of course I have. I was." Saved that day on Calgary. But it's kind of a trick question, isn't it? To me, it means, did you get it? How was your epiphany? Did you get it? And then there's the whole idea of, of, of Christ saving the world. Now, I... I think if we had a world full of people that had their epiphany, they got it, they understood the love of Christ and all that it means, it would save the world. And the world does need saving right now. But what do we, you and I, need to be saved from? What is it that's so uh, problematic in our lives that we need to be saved? I think maybe it's about being saved from ourselves. Despite of myself, there's a song about that, but 
I'm not going to get into singing songs today, but or ever. <laughs> but human beings have this inherent tendency to focus on ourself. Me. Me, me, me. Now, that's not altogether a bad thing, but it certainly can get out of hand. We do focus on our, on our own needs and our own wants, and we should. And we should. We have needs. And we have wants. Maybe we don't need so many of those. But Right. <laughs> I love to hear the little children in church. It's just You know Jesus with a little baby. You know he was over there. Oh, God's calling. <laughs> Somebody get it quick. <laughs> oh, was it something I said, God? <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now. It's natural and understandable for human beings, the way we are put together, this, this, we're the only animals that I know of, except maybe Rosie and Peaches, that have an awareness of themselves. Some of you know who Rosie and Peaches are, my little golden retrievers. But we're the only ones that, that I think that have this idea of self that could, we can focus in on. We can look at it. And we should look at it. Jesus, I think, would have us turn our attention from ourselves so much and focus clearly and squarely on others. Any others, anybody. Love more, hate less. Give more, take less. Give more than we take. Wag more, bark less. That would be an important one. And to live a life that way, to live a life for others, can be a, a wonderful, wonderful way to live. It's, it's not the idea that we're, trying, we're going to be poor because we're going to give everything away we have worked so hard for, but we're going to take all those things that we worked so hard for and all of that that we amassed from working for it and care for others in any way we can. And I'll tell you, in this place, that's happening all the time. More than I believe I've ever seen. And the concepts applies to each one of us and you to me, but it also works quite well for human institutions. We are a human institution, really cool one, and we do that. But there's some other human institutions that could follow suit, like our government could wag more and bark less. Governments caring for more for the people. 
churches and religious institutions, that's us. We do pretty good. I don't always agree with the the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, but I know one thing. They do a tremendous amount of good in this world. Tremendous amount. And this is going on, this message is for everybody, right? It's not just for us Episcopalians, us Christians that have gathered here. You look at, if, if you look deeply into the, the major religions of the world, you find the same thing. You find the same thing. And some of them are, uh, are prone to act up in different ways that are not helpful. But behind it all, you find the same thing, really. I have a certain affinity for Buddhism. Because I find so much in Buddhism that just fits perfectly with what I believe about Christ and Jesus. There's, there's something in the Buddhist tradition called the, the four virtues. And they are loving kindness, compassion, empathetic joy. Empathetic joy is when you are joy, you're joyful over the good fortune of others. Think about it, that's not easy to be. And the last is equanimity, a balance of your life. And in our own tradition, but going back way before our tradition, there's the golden rule. Everybody knows that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? But back in the day of Confucius, where that, and maybe even before, that golden rule was on the other side of the coin. Do not do unto others what you do not want done to yourself. That's the way it was back in the day. Do not do to others that which you would not want done to yourself. And of course, Jesus adds to the golden rule. In Leviticus 19, you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so Jesus adds to that. Love your enemies. Really difficult. In other words, love everyone. Love everyone. I don't think there's anyone, anyone in the world that we couldn't find a little peace to love. And of course, we always think of the worst, worst people we know of, say, well, I don't think so. But you can. So Johnny Nash had an epiphany. I, I still don't know why or what that was about, but he wrote that beautiful song. 
The nature of an epiphany is to be able to see clearly what is true. Aha, I get it. Be able to see what is true. Clear away a delusional view. We can so delude ourselves sometimes. When if we would just stop and look, we could see clearly now. The rain be gone. Perhaps this season of Lent, it's coming. Might be an epiphany or two among us. Just watch. Watch.